Deep within a bleak and dismal era, hidden within the murky internet, lies the headquarters of the most sinister peaks of all time, a legion on Zoom. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Legion on Zoom. As always and forever, this is Chaz. Oh, you changed it up a little bit. This is Miguel. Rejuvenated. And this is Rod. Facts, man. Facts, facts, facts. Yes. And even though I do have that joyous tone in my voice, but that's just because I'm happy to be here with you guys as always. This is a bit of a somber episode because a recent anniversary is upon us. Um, I'm not sure. It's not today, right? Did it pass or is it coming? Or No, it was already a, a few days ago. Ago, yeah. And Two days it, ago. Yeah, and by, was, the, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be like a week ago. So yeah. a week ago. Right. Yeah. So we apologize for that. Um, but yeah, it's one of the saddest days in all of comicdom. It is the end the two-year anniversary of the passing of Stan the Man Lee. And whether you're a DC fan, whether you're a Marvel fan, whether you're an Image fan, whether you're a Wildstorm fan, I don't care what your favorite house of publishing is. Um, you're all true believers. And we all we all felt it that day. And it is, it's one of the darkest days. It's one of the darkest days in comicdom. Maybe the darkest day in comicdom. And I'm getting goosebumps even just talking about it. Yeah, I'll, 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 I agree. I'll, I'll just add because I think it's been, it's been obviously two years, right? You know, it was November twelfth, two thousand eighteen, uh, when he passed away. And and I, 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 I'd, I'd agree that it's dark. I wouldn't say it's the darkest day because I, I, if anything, I, it is a good day to remember him, like, and it's a good day to celebrate him because I will say, yo, man, like he died when he was ninety-five years old. You know, Word. the life he lived, you know, the legacy he left behind, you know, like, oh my god, like his that he got to see, you know, his creations come to life, right, and even be have cameos. I'm like. It's a dark day because he was an obviously like the father of all of this, but it's like, you know what? I'm 95. He lived a good life. You know, I hope he, he passed peacefully. Uh, obviously, I remember like it's shock when it happened. You know, it's like, it's like, of course, it's like, you know, losing, you know, a close, you know, family member. Um, but it's like, I'm, you know, good, good, good for him. I hope he's resting, you know, and, and just living his best afterlife, whatever it might be. Right, right. I was going to share similar sentiments. Um, the day of is definitely a sad, dark day, right? I remember yeah. like getting uh, texts from random people, like my condolences. I'm like, yo, what the hell? What happened? Who died? I'm thinking it's like a family member or some shit. But yeah, it's Stan Lee. But at the same time, you know, like Chess was saying, like it's all part of one big collective Marvel family. And whatever, if you're a fan of fiction, if you're a fan of American culture, if you're a fan of humanity, you can appreciate Stan Lee's work, <laughs> right? It's yes. been, uh, what, six decades of work and then like come on how many kids are dressed up as spider-man for halloween like it's it's part of the american cultural fabric and now it's a worldwide phenomenon right and, and not just spider-man the x-men the fantastic four uh the hulk like all these really popular amazing timeless characters that people you know pull out their wallets for each and every time a new action figure or a movie or or cartoon or video game maybe except for the avengers video game though i've been hearing stuff about that 
Mm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually glad that that, that Stanley <laughs> wasn't, wasn't alive, alive to see that. Yeah. To see this because we were so hyped about it, right? And the most recent news was it was 96 percent of the players that they've had have like you know dropped out right from playing like except like chess pretty much yeah, and, chess and you know what yeah and you know what i'll say and you know what i'll say just like we as three hispanic men happen to be statistical outliers i will continue to be a statistical outlier and be amongst the four percent that play this shitty fucking game Damn, damn, you guys are making me never want to even play it again. What the fuck? <laughs> no, but like, okay, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, wait until you play it, like, until we play it together. Because it just, like, it doesn't draw you in. I think that's what it is. Like, the bar is set so high nowadays for epic-ass fucking games that, like, savagery commences if it doesn't meet the high, like, the highest bar. You know what I mean? People, I think... They thought it was going to be like a Skyrim version of the Avengers or some shit, you know, or like like something that big and elaborate. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I just want to play co-op. I wonder if Stanley gets a cameo. He got a cameo in the Spider-Man game, right, Miguel? Did, did I, he get a cameo in that game? I think so. But Why I don't do I remember, remember it. I don't remember exactly what it was. Dang. Oh, man. Well, but yeah, <laughs> I wonder yeah. if you get to came in the Avengers. If any of the fans have played it through or anybody knows, um, please let us know. But speaking about cameos, you know, Stanley has made, you know, it became a meme. He's just popping up and everything, right? From, I guess, uh, except Blade, right? Because uh, Blade was kind of like before the renaissance of comic book movies. Um, they just took over, uh, uh, you know, culture. But you know, from, sorry, from X-Men and Spider-Man, he appeared in all the films and then all the MCU films. So I want to ask you guys, of all the cameos, which is your favorite? Hmm. Whoa, there's, there's, God damn, there's so many. I think, Jesus, I I, I think I know which one's my favorite one. I, I think out of the, it, it's a tough choice for sure, but I do think my favorite one, I think it's from the first guardians of the galaxy i think it was where he's just chilling with the watchers right and like with it with his space suit no and then just like damn it you took my answer yeah. <laughs> i'm like that's ultimate because that's like that's exactly where he belongs right like that also felt, you he, took my reason <laughs> <laughs> yo great minds think alike bro yo also because it's like because I felt like that wasn't even like a cameo, per like you know. Because all the other times we've seen it, it's like it's Stanley acting as somebody else, right? It's not like Stanley for real, right? Like it was like what, the Iron Man, right? It was like some kind of like Hugh Hefner type person. Yeah. I felt for this one, it was this is actually the Stanley. <laughs> it's like, pretty accurate. Yeah, it? watching his creations and sharing it with the watchers, like I love that. Exactly. Yeah. Like basically, yeah. Like completely piggybacking off of what Miguel said it was essentially for those same reasons that would be my favorite cameo because it's kind of like it kind of gave the impression like he like he was working for the watchers the whole time you know what I mean like that's kind of cool when you think about it and just on a quick side note um I want to say that I remember what happened when I found out I was at work when I found out that Stanley died I literally got up from my desk went to the bathroom and I cried like legit like, it got to me that much when I found out it happened. Like, I couldn't hold it in. I got up from my desk at work. I went to the bathroom, and I shed actual tears. All right. So, speaking about shedding tears, I think my favorite uh, Stanley cameo 
is the Into the Spider-Verse cameo because I was leaning toward the same one you guys picked because that one was fucking cool and hilarious. But the Into the Spider-Verse one where he sells Miles a Spider-Man costume, come on. Mm. Like, that was one of the most emotional moments in all the Marvel films that we've ever had. Um, so I'll pick that one. And a close second place would be, uh, I think it's Endgame, where when Steve, what, who, and who's into the past? It's uh, Tony and uh, Steve, right? They go back yeah. into the past and right. they see like a younger Stanley, like from the 70s. You guys remember this? Oh shit! I don't yeah, remember. by in a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. Ah, or something. Yeah. Yes. But, but yeah, that was cool because like they de-aged him. They used that same, you know, awesome special effects that they do. So like they did it on what on um, what's his face? Um, Hank Pym. Yes, exactly. Michael Douglas. That's right. Yeah, damn that, that. I love that. That exactly. That was a good one too. Shit, ah, Stanley. And I remember too. Like I, I remember, I was I was at home. Because I think I got, I, I noticed either late in the day or something, or I think that's when, when I got confirmation of the news. I remember just being at home. I was doing work. I remember like it was just a crappy day working late, still at home. And and I got the news and it was like, fuck. Like I remember like just getting shocked. I do think I shed some tears too. And, and I remember just like also, and also like Rod too, like getting text messages from people, like, you know, letting me know like my condol- their condolences and that kind of stuff, which I thought was sweet. But it was it was a big fucking moment. I do think like that that, that was I'll never forget that. Yeah, and like you said, he was ninety five years old. So I was kind of you know waiting for that to happen. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, because that you make it that far, you know, like props to him. Yeah, and there had been already I think before that I think for almost a year maybe like discussions and rumors and gossip about like him being kind of like sick and there was some controversy about like that he shouldn't be going out to the cons and doing the the, the rounds of signing because they were thinking it might have been like elder abuse that the people who were managing his you know um whatever it's called his estate was like kind of forcing him to, to go do it you know and he was like maybe you know so there was i don't know how if that was ever confirmed or not you know but like you know, it, it was at that point where you're like, all right, you know, he's he's an older man. He's 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 he's, he's getting older by the minute. You know exactly. So it was it was going to happen, but exactly, he lived a fantastic life, and I'm glad that he got to see everything that he got to see and just like all the things he helped to co-create. So fucking so great. Yeah, man. Yeah, like- uh, just one more point. I'm sorry, Chaz. <laughs> one more no. point. Um, he's also one of the very few creators to to stake a valid claim at a character that he created under a, a, a big publishing company. Because usually you create a character for DC Comics or Marvel Comics, they own that character, no matter how popular. You know, like Miles Morales, right? That's a, a Marvel creation created by um, Brian Michael Bendis. But I feel like there was a strong push to give Stan Lee his due. And I know he had like tons of legal battles with Marvel, trying to get like some of that Spider-Man money. Um, so yeah, and you know, the fans rallied behind him too, because, you know, that's one of the reasons why Image Comics, you know, was created because, you know, artists and creators, they were feeling like shortchanged because, you know, you make these multi-billion dollar properties and, you know, there are some creators right now that can't even afford like their own healthcare. 
while th those massive companies are just raking in the money. Yeah, exactly. And I actually didn't know about that without Stanley like that, because I always felt that Stanley was kind of part of the problem a little bit to some degree, because I because he eventually, I think, was like at some point, like, you know, he was Marvel Comics, right? Because he was there before it was even really called Marvel Comics. And I don't remember what exactly what it was called before. And and like and I think I thought that he owned the rights for his stuff. I don't I don't actually don't know the details about the legal stuff, but I do know but exactly. But then after like him getting rights for that kind of stuff, I know like it's very rare, especially for these big companies for Marvel and this DC to let new people like right own some of the rights. You know, I actually don't even know. I think Brian Michael Bendis might actually own some of the rights of Miles. Maybe. I don't know. They're probably not, right? Like shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure it's not like completely, you know. Well, I mean, whether he was like a pioneer or part of the problem, you just can't deny the fact that he was, while he was breathing, an actual like a living legend in so many, like in in every sense of the word. Because think about it, he died at ninety five, right? That was like the age he passed away. You guys said, yeah. So imagine seeing the entire industry from like when he started into comic books all the things he created the ups and downs the censorship battles all that all of that and then talk about going out on a high note seeing that the entire development of the mcu dude from like from seeing like comic books coming into like the modern format which was essentially you know like from a strip to like an actual book then seeing them go to a digital format, then seeing characters that you created be made into like a world unto itself that people would like to an extent die for. Like it's insane. Talk about going out on a high note. That's a life well lived. Like, like it's, it's wild. It's when you really think about it, the thing he got to see the progression it's, it's, it's hard to fathom. It's hard to fathom. It's insane. It's insane. And then also, when you come and think of it, you really wouldn't have, um, without Stan Lee, you really wouldn't have one of the comic OGs, which would be Kevin Smith. So, Right. I, th I think Miguel's researching. Did you find anything? I was trying to look at like the legal battles between Marvel and Stan Lee, but there's so many articles. Yeah, no, no, no. I wasn't looking that up. I was just double checking some other stuff. But exact, I agree with everything that Chess was saying. In, in, and obviously, I, I don't want to talk shit about the man, right? You know, like obviously he's a great. And the only thing about that, right? Because everybody, everybody, he's human, right? Like everybody is flawed. Right. Everybody's fucking perfect. You know, obviously he did um, fucking the great that he's done is out will outlast, outlive anything that he might have done negatively. But like, if if that's the case, right? But like, for example, I remember one of the big things that because he also was a very good voice in, uh, in terms of like the counterculture in those moments and kind of uh, uh, pushing for like civil rights and stuff like that. And really, because he, I remember having like he had those stand soapboxes, right? That that they were in all these comic books. Yeah, that yeah. They were really well written, like you know, pro fucking just like be a good person, fucking like a uh, uh, little vignettes that he would write you know and there and because I, I know that after he passed away they just started um como se dice, like re reprinting uh uh those soapboxes in the comic books now right uh and which is nice you know the it, stan stan was fucking great man fucking loved him 
And now an even harder question than your favorite cameo. What's your favorite Stan Lee creation? Yeah, that's what I was thinking about already. We obviously know Miguel's choice. So Hell I'm going to yeah. go first. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Fantastic Four. Nice. I've always yeah. had a soft spot for Fantastic Four. And this goes way back to like, I don't know, I must have been like five or something or even, I don't even know. But on Cartoon Network, they would show like the really old school Fantastic Four cartoon. You remember that? Like, I don't know if it was Hanna-Barbera or something. <laughs> but they were like short 15 minute. Like, I think it might have been. Like, Damn, adventures. really? And, and I, I just loved the concept. Like they're a family and they all have like a different power. And like aside from the thing, um, they just go back and forth between like their meta forms and their human forms. I thought that whole shit was awesome. Like, and this is before I realized that Spider-Man is associated with these characters. I just thought that that alone was really cool. Um, so for sure, the Fantastic Four. Completely, completely agree. Like, if obviously for me it's Spider Man, but like a, a close second or even tied with Spider Man for me would be Fantastic Four. Exactly. I think because also you know because I think we've talked about this before in in in, in previous episodes, but like you know because they are truly the first family of Marvel Comics, and this created basically Marvel Comics. And because I, I think I've mentioned this before, because this is why I think I love this so much. Because uh, the the story behind how he created the Fantastic Four, he chose to write him was because he was gonna quit. Like he was gonna quit Marvel Comics. If that was the name of, I don't think that was the name of the company at the time. I don't actually remember that well. But like I remember he wanted to quit because he was just writing like I think most of these like cowboy type stuff that was like in the in in fad at that time. And he wanted to tell a story of yeah, people with powers and stuff like that, but making it more realistic, more human. He like wanted to to be a family that had family issues, right? And, and, and that kind of stuff. And I remember like what was really cool uh, that apparently his wife, jo- Joan, Joan Lee, who actually, they were married this whole fuck, like fucking forever. Like from, I actually just looked it up on Wikipedia from 47, from 1947 to 2017 when she passed away. Whoa. Yeah, and then he, she passed away a few years before him, you know? Like imagine that, like the life he led. And she encouraged him. She was like, look, if you're going to quit, just write the book you want to write. Like, just do it. Just fucking do it. It'll be the last book you do, and then and then you're out. And he's like, you know what? Fuck it. All right. He did it, right, with Jack Kirby. And and then fucking that. Shout out to Jack Kirby. Facts. Yeah. And then shout out, Kirby. To, and shout out to Steve Ditko, who co-created Spider-Man with him. You know, like, and then that just fucking exploded. Then everything just from there created this. And then they, they were just like, yeah, Stan, like, do more stuff like that. Right. And adding because back in those days, those days, those kinds of stories, right, of that kind of human element in comic books about like, yeah, they have powers, but they're a family like Johnny Storm's a teenager. The thing is dealing with being disfigured. Right. And his relationship with Reed Richards, like kind of blaming him for it and Reed carrying the guilt like that wasn't in comic books before. Like comic books before were like Cape, you know, Cape and Cow just fucking beat him up and we're good. Yep, and, and the comedic duo of um, Johnny Storm and, and Ben Grimm. Yeah. Like, I always love that shit, too. And they, they added to the lore by giving them children, you know, making, like, Dr. Doom. What What's what's the girl's name? Valeria? Named after yeah. Dr. Doom's mom or something like that? Right. I'm like, okay, like these guys are just, they're always fighting each other like a real family. Even Dr. Doom is part of this twisted Meta human family in some weird way. No, yeah, because Doctor Doom is her godfather. 
Yeah, so they're like, yeah, wow. they're part of the family. Yeah, exactly. No, and I, I, I love it because it's really cute because she has like a direct line to Doctor Doom, and she likes on the phone sometimes with him, like in this awesome like virtual kind of like holographic you know phone, but just like you know, I think she calls him like Uncle Doom or something. You know, like it just Word. Awesome. he's like, Reed, I hate you. Valeria, hello. You know, fucking on a <laughs> yes, throne somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> Damn, I'm I'm honestly torn between Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. And Ooh, good ones. And I might be leaning towards Doctor Strange just because um it addresses a whole corner of the universe that people tend to forget about. You know what I mean? Like it addresses a hierarchy. It gives a sense of purpose to the whole magic thing. And, um, and like I've stated in past episodes, Dr. Strange has had one of the hardest climbs like in all of comic book lore to become who he is. You know what I mean? He's just had a really impressive career. And plus um, to an extent, at times I feel like the strange books, they kind of deal with more philosophical topics. a la the silver surfer books too um it's not your average just you know like good and bad guy it deals with like actual like the true forces of good and evil you know what i mean on a more like primal level yo that would have been another good pick dude silver surfer because you're right because like yeah. with silver surfer he was able to also explore fucking trippy ass stuff you know i almost went silver surfer i was thinking about it (laughs) but yeah exactly but with dr strange exactly it's that nice middle ground between that and then leading to the more spacey you know psychedelic type of stuff that he started to write with silver surfer that's a that's a good choice man but yeah definitely i think would have to be like stephen strange yeah he created thanos probably right No, no 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 that that was uh Jim Starlin. Jim Starlin ah, created yes, Thanos. Yes. yes. Yeah. Because actually when we were talking about, Jim Starlin. about the rights and that kind of stuff, that's uh, that's always something for me that's always like a little bit of a, it's just a shock, right? Jim Starlin created Thanos. He wrote the, you know, the Infinity Gauntlet story and he's written really great seminal Thanos books and obviously well, he doesn't own the rights. So, but I do think they've given him, you know, some change you know, from the movies or something. Yeah. But Jim Starlin, shout out. And it's pretty obvious that we all love Stan Lee. Like, how can you not? I've never heard someone ever utter a bad word about the man, aside from maybe Miguel a few minutes ago. But um, <laughs> I didn't say shit. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, but, you know, just moving forward. Um, I heard he was, like, pinching nurses' butts in, like, nursing homes and shit. He's Stan the man, Lee. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm sure the nurses up. look it up. I, I'm pretty sure the nurses were requesting it. You know, they're like, yo, <laughs> shit, Stan the man, Lee? Word. It's the stand that hand is worth a billion dollars. I mean, you better get pinched. (laughs) Exactly. Excelsior AF. Um, (laughs) So, like, do all old dudes get pervy? What do you guys think? Is that like inevitable? You become a pervy old dude, like that Family Guy character? (laughs) I would. I I would say it's a two-way split. You're either bitter or pervy. Or bitter and perfect. Like Walter Matthau. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Stanley, of course, um, inspired a whole cornucopia. Trying to be fancy here, uh, with of like different <laughs> creators and artists and things of that nature. Um, it would be impossible to name who wasn't wasn't inspired by Stanley. You can safely say that um 
that in this day and age, almost every single creator was slightly, slightly to some extent, maybe inspired by Stanley or a Stanley co-creation. Of course. Yeah, exactly. So with that said, who are some of your other um, creators that you guys just wouldn't be able to live without? Whether they be writers, artists, publishers, what have you. And also a quick mention, I remember the first time I heard Stan Lee's voice because, you know, I had seen like Miguel mentioned like the soapbox at the end, you know, the the, the credits, the soapbox at the end, the editorials. Um, But I remember I bought like a cassette tape of Spider-Man stories. I remember putting that in the cassette player. That just goes to show you how how old um, some of us are here. We had cassette players. (laughs) And it's just like, you know, he introduces the story and he calls you a true believer. And he has that that you know, that great voice that's just like, you could tell he's a storyteller by trade. And I was like, oh, shit, so that's Stan Lee. And mm. then, you know, then you start seeing him like on TV, you know, as Marvel starts blowing up and the internet starts, you know, taking over and we have more access to information about these creators. Um, but yeah, I'll never forget that. All right, yeah, Stan. I, yeah, but, hell yeah. And then... And then Jesus Christ, you're right though. Like Stan has influenced so many people, and and there's so many great creators that have you know stood on his shoulders, and then the shoulders of the next ones, and and then just kept creating, kept giving us new stories. But I do want to ask. So right now we're thinking about who who are top, like who's our top creator? Obviously after Stan. But are we thinking? Are these creators that? literally created new characters that did not exist a la Stan Lee or creators just like, well, writers that wrote new stories uh, of, of people that we already knew and loved. Like, what are we? Because, because It would definitely have to be the latter because right. the former would make the pool very small. I already got my pick for that first one, though. I'm just going to say yes. right now. I'm going okay. I'm I'm to say for me, if it has to be people who create new characters, no brainer. Have to give it to Brian Michael Bendis, Ooh. right? Because obviously he's most well known for having created Miles Morales Spider Man. Like he was able to eh. obviously it, it it is it's like a copy paste, of course, of Spider Man. Exactly, right, that right, right. right. To, uh, but but he added he added his own flair to it, his own twist true, to it, new true. powers, uh, uh, and and really well. But another incredible thing about him though too is also just googling that to double check. He also created a bunch of characters that I wasn't even sure about. First of all, he actually created Ronan, right? The version of Hawkeye as Ronan. He created Maria Hill. Like, Maria Hill did not exist in the comic books until he did that. Uh, And a bunch of other, like, S.H.I.E.L.D.-type, you know, because he created the Secret Warriors team. He created some pretty cool new X-Men characters, Tempest and Gold Balls, which are part of the the, the five that I mentioned the other day about those who (laughs) make you immortal. And, and, and well, like in Riri Williams also too, I wasn't big fan. Oh, and Jessica Jones as well. He created Jessica Jones. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like that's, he created Jessica Jones. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, all right. That's his Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Like Jessica Jones would be his Spider-Man. Then if you think about it. Through yeah. the list, it definitely wouldn't be gold balls. It'd be Jessica Jones. <laughs> but you're right. But there, there's really not that many other creators that have created true new characters, right? Like, unless you guys have any other. Yeah. Well, so we're, let's start with writers, right? Since you went first with Brian Michael Bendis. Um, he's definitely on my top three all time. But my favorite writer who I br- seldom talk about, maybe I have in the past, but it's Mark Miller. Uh, I got introduced to his work. I think it was The Ultimates, which is still one of my all-time favorite Marvel books. 
And then later on, you know, it was like kick ass, um, super crooks. He has a whole bunch of uh, wanted, a whole bunch of uh, original work, you know, because he he's written some bombs like, oh, and Civil War, the first one, you know, the comic book version, he wrote that. And to me, that's still one of the best Marvel comic stories. Um, so, yeah. So uh, his work, you know, with Marvel uh, was amazing with the Ultimates and, and whatnot. And then, you know, he started doing his own things like, like Kick-Ass. Um, yeah, so I, I would always, you know, pick up his, his original books because they're always really good reads. Everything, like Netflix just bought like all his, his Miller, uh, Millerverse characters because they know that they're all well-written and well-done. He did one, um, uh, Nemesis, which is, uh, he did it with, the same artist that did um, Civil War. McNiven. Uh, Steve McNiven. Steve McNiven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He did that one. And that one is like a Batman. If What if Batman was a, a villain story? You know, and again, he's just playing on a familiar trope. But he did it so well. And that one is being uh, turned into a show too. So <clears throat> um, it's, it's a really good book. I highly recommend it. Uh, I could speak forever about this guy. He's just, he's just um, amazing. And I'm glad he's doing his own thing and making tons of money. Hell yeah. No, and I love exactly because that's another fucking great creator. You're like, and then because obviously he's had the advantage of not working in like he's created characters outside of the big companies, right? Outside of Marvel and DC, and these characters that have spawned movies, franchises, like fucking because he, I think he, he also created uh, the Kingsman, uh, no, and that, that's right, already, like, right. I was trying to think of all oh, of these yeah. titles. I mean, that's there's crazy. so many, and, and there's already what two, three movies for those, right? And like you mentioned, Kick Ass and all that. Like, I actually, I think I mentioned to you guys uh, a, a while back that I read one of his most recent ones that came out called uh, The Magic Order, which is being made into a show for Netflix, like from what you, uh, from the what you just mentioned, which is, um, the artist is with with uh, one of my favorite artists, uh, uh, Olivia Coipio. Beautiful fucking book, awesome story about just like wizards and and witches in modern day times, and it, and it's just great and it's incredible. All the stuff that he can just create and the depth of his characters and so that is a great choice of a great creator. Yeah, he did some Spider Man work too that wasn't bad. Uh, it's on Marvel Unlimited. It's a uh, Marvel Knights Spider Man. Right with work. a really a pretty artwork by Terry Dodson. Shout out. I myself, believe it or not, I actually don't have a favorite comic book writer. My favorite authors usually tend to be on the side of like books without pictures, which Rod, I believe the correct word would be abhors. Like, is it that bad? Right? Like, absolutely. Okay. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so. I would lean more towards having favorite artists and I would be torn between Jim Lee and Michael Turner, which are those guys basically draw in 4k. It's, it's insane. I don't even know how human beings could even sketch like shit like that. It's like when you look at their art is like, you're looking at like work, like it's like, if you were to take away the ink, it's like it was done by Da Vinci. Like it's insane. Like it's I would say Jim Lee and Michael Turner. But I would lean towards Michael Turner because he draws the most beautiful characters ever. Too bad he's no longer with us. Passed away a few years ago. 
Um, I believe that we referred to him in the last episode, but yeah, it would definitely be Michael Turner would be my top artist of all time. And then it would be, <laughs> and we referred to him before too, because I'll never forget that you said that you think he drew the prettiest Hulk. I was about to say that that Hulk, <laughs> that that is the GQest Hulk. That Hulk, <laughs> my God. <laughs> but yeah and also his flash is insane my favorite poster is the michael turner flash where he's just standing there but it's so well done that it looks like he just ran up into the poster and stopped like in motion but yeah oh um, and his batman Thank his you. batman oh my god good lord yeah no actually i was thinking about jim lee when i said batman jim lee's batman it looks like when they talk about Batman in the comic books and his physique, they say, like, the man, like, he looks like he's made out of marble. Jim Lee actually draws that. His bat suit looks so thin on him. Yeah, so I would say Jim Lee or Michael Turner, but top artist, I would say Michael Turner. Third place, Humberto Ramos. Nice. Another frequent <laughs> artist you drop on the show. Yeah, We know you love Humberto. And actually, yeah, and you can check, I think, check out some of our last posts, right? Because, like, for the promo ad for this the previous episode right uh that's where we have michael turner uh, uh, uh doing the uh the justice league yeah. from the identity crisis cover and then i think you recently uploaded a thanos picture with <laughs> drawn by Humberto ramos yeah. so yeah and i drop his name all the time but the reason why i like his art is because unlike jim lee and michael turner where theirs is almost like uber realistic his art is dynamic but it's also cartoony you know what I mean? Like, it's not too serious, but it's also very well-defined. Um, It's like he's almost on the opposite side of the spectrum of those guys because his art possesses a lot of, like, rounded edges, which I'm a fan of. So it's kind of like a high-def chibi art, for, to use, like, a throwback term from, like, anime. But, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's almost like on two sides of the fence. That's why I'm such a big fan. It's the contrast, I guess you can say. Yeah, Michael Turner had some great art. He did uh, yeah. the he did the main cover for well I don't know if it was the main or the variant for Civil War number one with Mark Miller and he and I also really liked um, I know a few episodes back I spoke about um, Superman Batman Public Enemies that's volume one with Jeff Loeb um, another great uh, creator worth mentioning um, so yeah so he he did he did that. That was Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis. Volume two, I think, was Supergirl with Michael Turner and Jeff Loeb. And I and his Batman actually was pretty like sleek, really cool looking. Uh, they they tried to adapt Michael Turner's art style for the, the animated version of that storyline, which actually came out pretty cool as well. Has a great scene um, in that arc with um, you know Batman, you know his ultimate contingency, you know plans him versus Darkseid. I don't know if you guys remember that. Oh my god! He's like he has like some of uh, what's that dude Orion's like armor on? You know, barely protecting him or some. Oh shit yeah, like that. that's where Batman fights Darkseid, right? Yeah, and then, yeah, and then he gets to the part with the eggs that is like, if you attack me, I'll, right, like, right, he beats Darkseid technically, yeah. technically. <laughs> In that moment, right, and then it can, the fight continues. Yeah, it goes back to Earth. So yeah, fans should definitely check that for the artwork and for the great writing. Facts. Yeah, the oh my god, the art in that is amazing. Um, and I mean, I think we've pretty much established who like our favorite publishers are. I mean, I'm obviously a DC fan as always, but however, I will say this: even though 
my favorite characters happen to be from DC. The publishing house that I respect the most would be Image. Because, like Rod had mentioned earlier, they empowered the creators. You know what I mean? The guys who actually do the work. Fuck these executives. Um, fuck these talent scouts. Because the creators are the people that are being scouted and hired. They're the actual artists. You know what I mean? And Todd McFarlane showed that, yeah, we are creators, but we could also run a business. We don't need the top brass. We can make our own money. So even though I am a DC fan... I give the most props to Image. Facts. I couldn't agree more. Exactly. And that's how they started, right? Because it was a bunch of creators from Marvel. I think mostly Marvel. I think some from DC that decided to be like, yeah, fuck you guys. We're going to start our own company. And they fucking did it. And they're very successful. And it's awesome. What are some of the creations to come out of Image? I mean, I could think of Spawn. Uh what else but we just mentioned the bunch from mark miller right like a lot of the his books yeah. came from image Under comic image books. comics oh right. yeah, yeah 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 i forgot about but come out. robert kirkman with yeah. the walking dead oh yeah I, I, that's image that's image yeah oh yeah. shit yeah dude and then a lot of the a lot of things that these big like saga is from brian k bond you know saga and his work from paper girls is all image and 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 we have from the walk uh, from Robert Kirkman. We also have Invincible. That's fucking from Image as well. You know what it is? I've noticed. Okay, I, I think I think I just um I think I just hit the nail on the head, and you guys just proved it. Im, um Image puts the work first and their name last. Marvel and DC put their logo first and the work last. Like you know what I mean? Like that's like the vibe that I just got. Like an image is like. Like I said, like I wasn't even aware that some of those titles were Image for some reason, but I was aware of those titles. Usually, yeah. it's the reverse. I know what's Marvel, what's DC, and then I know what's under it. And like Savage Dragon oh, by word. Eric Larson. Throwback. Yeah. Throwback. Uh, Eric Larson did some of my all-time favorite artwork on Spider-Man in, like back in the 90s. Hell yeah. A lot of Spider-Man artists. Todd McFarlane had a great run mm-hmm. on Spider-Man. Like Some of the prettiest covers that we still see to this day. Hell right? yeah. Yeah, and the other thing I think that makes it a little bit confusing for Image Comic is that I do also, they have like mini uh, studios within Image Comics. So I think like Robert Kirkman has like Skylight or something like that. And so sometimes the branding will say Image and Skylight or something or and something will be pop, pop up more than the other. And so that's why it's also a little bit confusing because that's cool too because they even allow like artists to create like their own little, you know, publishing houses within Image and like, you know, because Mike McFarlane has his own, you know, stuff, you know, where it's Spawn and, and, and Spawn related books and that kind of stuff. And the overly priced toys. Yes. <laughs> but fucking great toys, though. Yeah, they're not making DC action figures, which, you know, they, they all look really well articulated and really pretty. But yeah, I, I mean, and we, I can't talk about like favorite creators without talking about Jeff Johns. Because, oh. um, you know, I my favorite publisher is also DC Comics. And it's a large part of that is because of his work, because of his work on Green Lantern, which is still, you know, arguably my all-time favorite comic book run. Uh, and his work on the Teen Titans, which I, I just I ate all that up. Um, you know, he's written all these great, like, uh, event stories, like Infinite Crisis and, uh, and Rebirth. You know, that, that was a, a great recent book that he was able to elicit some uh, emotional response. Oh, facts, yo! I I love with, Rebirth, uh, man. Rebirth was amazing. Wait, who who drew that one? I um, that was a Fabok, right? Or 
Oh, I think so. Or was right? it Gary Frank? I don't know. Oh, Gary well, Frank did the uh, Doomsday. By the way, by the way, quick asterisk in Rebirth, one of the most epic scenes in comic book history when Oliver Queen grabs Hal Jordan's ring and attempts to use it and fires off one arrow. You have one of the most epic humans on earth who, not given a Green Lantern ring, actually had enough willpower to use it a little bit. And he told Hal, if I'm not mistaken, I felt like I haven't slept for a week. This is what it's like to use the ring all the time. And how it just says like, yep. <laughs> yeah. And I think just from quickly searching just up, we'll, we'll double check. Actually, I think there was more than one artist in that main DC universe rebirth book. And I think it was because it was Gary Frank and Ivan race, Ethan Van Syver and Phil Jimenez. Uh, uh, but I, I we, we gotta just double check that because it was a massive book, right? And it was it was it was many pages, and so I, I can it makes sense that they would have used like, these top artists. It yeah. showed how to really bring a character back. Hell yeah! And Jeff Johns is um, like recently he sent like a new image title, right? Oh right, this was news that just came out. Exactly, mm -hmm. I just shared it with the guys. I don't remember that much about it, but exactly that he's writing. His very, I think, first like creator or the first in many, many years, very own creator own book for Image, uh, and it's in the works that with Gary Frank. And apparently, when I read the the thing, is apparently they were thinking about this project almost as soon as they were doing Doomsday Clock, <laughs> and then as soon as Doomsday Clock was done, they just started working on that on that new project. Which um, I don't remember what the name of the new book's gonna be, or I don't think there's also any. Um, is it, it's Dave? Geiger. Is that it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, Geiger. Geiger. Watch that be a movie in like a year. You know, I, I, maybe this is like a little bit of the fallout, like, you know, with, with all the controversy surrounding him at DC. He's like, yo, I'm out of here. You guys are nuts. You know, everybody's trying to cancel me. He's done so much for that company. Um, you know, he was the probably the main creative force behind the New 52, which, you know, a lot of fans didn't like, but. I thought it was really cool. And, and him in partnership with another person that we just mentioned not too long ago was Jim Lee, another all time great, you know, living legend Bird. that's still doing good work at, uh, at DC Comics. That's true. And, and, and then many people that listen to our show obviously know that I'm the Marvel fanboy, right? And, and, and I used to be, but obviously I, I read everything and I, and, you know, good art is good art. But, Back in the day, I was one of those classic, like, stubborn, you know, in my youth about, like, I only read marble, you know, and, <laughs> and, and I'll consume, like, TV and film from DC without a problem, right? And I love Batman, and I might have read some Batman back in the day when I was very young, but not, like, that. But, and actually, it was thanks to Rod and specifically thanks to Jeff Johns that just showed me, like, fuck. Like, okay. <laughs> like, I get it. And then I was able to notice the difference in dc right and then i think we were just mentioning this in the last episode right exactly like with dc it's like we have gods you know who are like well acting like humans and like that's that's the dynamic whereas in marvel it's no it's humans with powers right and 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 that's a different dynamic and and i was able to appreciate that and it's all really thanks to jeff john because then after that because i read the green lantern his green lantern run and then after that was just like, well, what else has he written? And it's like, and he's written so much and so many different teams, so many different heroes. Um, and it's like, yeah, okay, awesome. All right, DC's pretty good. <laughs> and I mean, 
aside rebirth let's not forget like one of the biggest things i think to happen in comics i put it up there with the original crisis on infinite earths um the war of light good lord that was insane like that was one of the biggest events in comic them like the psychological depth to work with us um with the light spectrum and all the emotions and to have to break down the different like core of lanterns and what it takes to become each one and the complexity i'd go as far as to say there were people that while they were reading that entire shit like they went on a personal journey at times just because of some of like the depth it took to develop the different lantern cores like i think they discovered shit about themselves i'm pretty sure some people even like like i said that shit made people think like wow that's that event was bananas man yeah one of my all-time favorites and, and it was cool because when he created the different color lanterns it just like kind of took over i remember I would always like get giddy when I would see random people like yeah. on the subway with the random lantern core on their shirt. And, you know, like, it's just so cool that it, it kind of spread. Like, you know, his work is, is infectious. Like his work, like the Shazam movie, the Aquaman movie, uh, those scripts were ripped almost entirely from his runs and shout out to his work on U 52 Aquaman. The first Hell time yeah. in my life, I cared about Aquaman. Totally, <laughs> totally. No, and exactly. And I know, and I know people say, obviously, this is a common thing, right? That the, that the, or the source material, especially like in terms of books, is always better than the movie, right? And, and, and a lot of times with comic books, it's the same thing. Uh, sometimes it'll be a little bit different, like with the Marvel movies that you'll, you know, that it's not a, a complete adaptation, you know, they're doing their own thing. But I will say, especially like with, with the movies you just mentioned, his, his, his those exactly I, I the his aquaman book is better than the aquaman movie like it's just you can see how it's influenced but it's just so fucking good it's it's because it, even that like it, it shows that it makes you care about aquaman like really like all right whatever and he even did it in such a cool way that he's even making fun of aquaman in the book right the, 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 the people are saying like oh you know you talk to fish right and he's like well, you know nah i don't really talk to them but it's like you know and, and it's cool like and it's like a little tongue in cheek but it's like mad layers to it and it's a great story yeah i, I like the way you say aquaman i was <laughs> i was thinking about that too i'm like i would read a book about a jamaican arthur curry word aquaman that was, that was <laughs> aquaman, aquaman. aquaman. <laughs> Anyway, but I do think to mention about that, we were just mentioning the, 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 the new book that he's going to write for Image, right? And then because as of now, he just finished his latest book for DC, which we've talked about it in previous episodes, but it's finally done. The Three Jokers. Batman, Three Jokers. Fucking wrapped up. And we have thoughts. And so we're going to go into discussion, a spoilerific discussion. So if you haven't read or finished it, stop right now. And go read it. If you don't care about spoilers, well, then follow, you know, st stick around. And then we're going to add a spoiler right here. Spoiler alert! So, yeah, Jeff Johns has done so much amazing work for DC. You know, I hope his relationship isn't completely severed. I don't know what's going on. Maybe nothing. Maybe we're just making a big deal. But anyway, I always wanted him to work specifically on Batman. Because he, he never, I don't think, he did write batman earth one and he has written batman stories but 
I've always wanted him on that book. And the three Jokers, you know, they were deluxe issues. So it was almost like a, maybe like a six issue run almost, but you know, you get three, instead you get three like books instead. Um, so yeah. So about the story, first of all, the gorgeous artwork, um, Jason Fabok, he's one of my most recent, I love his artwork. And I, I didn't get to mention, uh, you know, my, my, my favorite artist. I wasn't going to say like the usual ones that I always talk about. I was going to go with, um, uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. He, he's he's drawn if you've ever bought a dc comics t-shirt at target or walmart those that artwork that standard dc comics 1980s 1990s artwork that's him and you know he, he's a his his grasp of the anatomy is brilliant like i i remember being a kid and just being inspired by that artwork so that being said uh, Jason Fadbox, nice. he's like a callback. When I'm when I'm looking at Jason Fadbox's anatomy, I'm like, holy shit, this guy like knows what he's doing, but yet it has that modern flair. So I won't gush on that too long. The story, um, it's it's a really good multi-leveled story. Uh, you get you know the Red Hood, you get Barbara, uh, and you get Bruce, and they're entangled in this three Jokers conspiracy, right? You know, a lot of fuckery ensues. Um, and the climax. So, you know, this is a, a spoiler, a spoilerific review. And before we so, go into the climax, like, like quick break. Set them. it up? No. Well, right. well, yeah, exactly. Like, okay. What was it about again? Just like remind people like quickly what it was. Okay. So there are three um, crimes happening at the same time. You know, it, uh, we were talking about Rebirth earlier. So <clears throat> in the DC Comics Rebirth with Gary Frank and Jeff Johns, uh, they touch upon like this three Joker conspiracy at the end. There might have been a fallout from the the Dark Side War, but yeah, another another great book by Jason Fabok and Jeff Johns. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> so uh, I'm getting off off the trail here. Bring it back home. Bring it back home. All right. So there's a, there's a conspiracy, and now the three Jokers apparently. There, you know, the different instances throughout Batman's history, like a different, it's possible that a different Joker has been involved in these major moments, like the killing joke and so on. So then, you know, Batman, apparently the Jokers now want to leave clues to let Batman know that this is going on. And, you know, at some point, one of the, one of those three Jokers may or may not have been executed by, by Jason Todd. Um, the Red Hood, and then this like kind of brings up this whole internal conflict with the Bat family because now Word. this guy just murdered a Joker right in cold blood in front of Barbara Gordon, and Batman's like, we gotta let him slide. If we turn him in, then we might get revealed. So Batman, you know, he's above the law, right? He's he, he you know, he's he sees himself as you know above it, above it all. Like it's. To Whatever. paraphrase so, so Judge Dredd, he is the law. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. basically, Jason Todd is, like, immune to to the law. Well, and, te he's and technically, it was Jason Todd who said that, right? Because Jason Todd told, said to Barbara, that's why Batman's not throwing me right now in jail, because he knows I'm going to have to reveal identities from people and that kind of stuff, you know? And then Batman's just kind of quiet. And then, obviously, eventually, Barbara, you know, challenges him, saying, all right, you know, but do this one more fucking time. I'm going to reveal my own identity, you know? And, like, 
put a stop to you. But this fucking tension between them, it's intense. Right. And just to close off, so the the three jokers, they want to create apparently they want to create the perfect joker. Right. That's like their that's their end game, apparently, to the story. Not really, but whatever. There's a lot of twists and turns with this one. So they bring in Joe Chill into the into the mystery. And for the fans, Joe is Chill crazy. is that like character that, you know, in the dark alley, he's the one that shot Thomas and Martha Wayne. So they, they bring him into the story. And apparently, you know, the, uh, Jeff Johns keeps you guessing, like, you know, who's going to be this perfect Joker? Is it going to be Jason Todd? Is it going to be Joe Chill? Like, what's going on? So, yeah, gentlemen, yeah. Yes. take it and, from here. No, exactly. And then the, the, the big thing about it, right, is the whole mystery about, like, has there always kind of been because three joke because the idea is also you don't know really who created like who was the first joker that then decided to create the other jokers they don't really completely completely say that they hint the things are all right because there's 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 three right there's the there's the the criminal the comedian and then the the who was clown. The, other one? the clown exactly and you know, they don't really tell you who created who and how, you know, since when, right? Uh, but the idea is that those three Jokers do want to create this better Joker, right? And in their mind, a better Joker is the Joker that means more to Batman, right? Means more to him. And they thought, well, who who best than Joe Chill, right? The person who killed his parents, who basically created Batman. Uh, and so that's this whole fucking thing about going back and forth. So one, as a fan, right, you're wondering... All right, so then who who's the first Joker and 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 you know who who created this and does that even really matter who's the first one or not? Um, but it, it it is an interesting uh, 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 dilemma, no? Oh, oh, and then it's in. Should we just say then how it ends? Like should we just fucking say it at this well, point? I mean, yeah, the spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah this is spoilerific. Just, just to give the fans um just some perspective, so. It essentially, it kind of goes like, so when you look back in the comics and you see that it was Batman and a young Dick Grayson with that super campy Joker, um, that's one of them. Um, that's like the criminal because he's like the oldest one. Then you have the Joker that killed Jason Todd. Um, I believe that's the comedian. No, right? I think that's a clown. The that's clown, the clown? Right? Okay, that's mm -hmm. the clown. Okay, and then you have the Joker that shot Barbara Gordon. Um, right. So just so fans understand that, like throughout history, those would be some of the pins that you could put on each Joker to place him, so to speak, just so fans get some perspective on that word. Totally. And then if you're following that kind of chronologically, right, and even with the art, it looks like the Joker, who's the criminal, looks older, right, yeah. too, than the other. So that makes you think. He was actually the first Joker, really, and he decided to create these other ones, and then and then it goes from there. But it's still not not very super clear. I think we have theories on it, right? But and 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 I think just to wrap it up, the way it ends, you know, like like Rod said it right at, at the, the in the first fucking book, Jason Todd kills the clown, uh, which is the guy who killed him, um, and then and then towards the end, big epic battle, everybody's in it fighting, and then they have these yeah. army of Jokers, you know. Uh, of like uh, 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 like jokers that didn't really work that are just like their minions now um, and eventually ends up, ends up with that the freaking the, the, the comedian kills the criminal uh, the criminal joker and basically just like there's only going to be one and in like it just epic joker fashion and just fucking loses his mind you know like laughing and, and, and that kind of stuff um, and that's pretty much how it ends right and then like just like when Batman's kind of interrogating him 
like he makes some kind of comment about like um like who like you know he created me or was it i that i created him ah, i can't i can't i don't remember kind of leaving it up in the air about like wait so which joker's the first joker you know with all this shit but apparently this joker right the comedian joker it we were led to believe that he's the one that we've read about in terms of the comics that we know that they've um como se dice, um detailed his origin a little bit more right that those stories that we've seen like we talked about it in the killing joke right a, a, a bit about like well it was actually a lot portrayed there in the killing joke where that he was a comedian you know down on his luck not doing well eventually took on the mantle of the red hood and being yeah. red hood gang fell into the bat of acid that eventually we believe led to the creation of the joker right so that's kind of like the best known joker history that we have and it seems that's that guy Right. And so we don't know. So that makes me think that that's the first Joker. And then he created this older one, the criminal um, late, later, maybe yeah. just because of the bat of acid. Because I think he might have been because he was the first one. Right. Because that did happen kind of like by accident. Right. And then you have that big revelation where Bruce Wayne is stashing his actual family somewhere up north. Like, I'm sorry. I hated the ending. I hated the ending. Oh, right, right. Explain that. Explain that. We didn't mention that. So what what's what's what what family? What are you talking about? So the comedian, right? So um he's a stand-up comedian. He sucks. He's abusive to his wife. Yada yada yada. So I think it turns out that she like faked her own death or something, or Batman put her into like witness protection after he fell into the vat of like chemicals at Ace Chemicals plant. And he put him in like a safe house way up north. So since they're the Joker's actual family, if he finds out that they exist, they'll be in for a life of torment just because the Joker is the Joker. Especially if he finds out that he actually has a genetic son out there in the world who's a perfectly normal person. He'll find some crazy twisted way to ruin their lives. So it's kind of like Batman's uh, way of, I guess... Uh, making up for never killing the Joker for um, the madness to continue in some weird way. I don't know. Like the whole, like, right. Cause that's the, that's the big kind of like other twist of it. Right. Cause the, like, when you're seeing these flashbacks and even in the killing joke, they showed this, right. That, you know, that he had this bad relationship with his wife and, but apparently, you know, she was pregnant and then that's why he got into the red hood gang, right. To try to get some more money to help out with his family. But then she dies, you know, apparently like some kind of accident happened and she dies but apparently now we know that she didn't die, right? And she just escaped and she had to run away and leave leave uh, this the comedian behind. And so Batman. So the one thing I do agree with Chess, I love the ending overall, except for this little one detail, eh. right? Because obviously it ends with him um, like, you know, wondering, like they, they ask him, I think, who was it? Was it Alfred that asked? I don't even remember who, but they asked like, you know, so, so we'll never know who the Joker really is and that kind of stuff. And then Batman says, I've actually known since the first week um you know that that i met the joker right and then that's when we see this 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 scene that he knows where his 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 uh his ex-wife and and kid live that the joker has no idea that they're there and and that you know kind of twist that we're like oh the he batman knew who he was all along i don't like that i i didn't like that bit at all because because I'm thinking that's I don't think that's good storytelling because I think this is stupid because this whole thing fucking started because Batman asked the, the Mobius chair. Exactly. Who's, who's the Joker? Like, why would he have asked that 
if he knew it, right? So I think it's kind of a dumb, like, what? What are you talking about? Like, why? Why did you? Because we know what he asked. Like, it's not like he thought something. No, he asked, like, who's the Joker? And then the chair said, like, there's three, you know? And so that's the only thing that's like, what? And then, like, you knew all along? Then why the fuck did you ask that question to the chair, you know? Like, that's the only thing I didn't like. I didn't like it overall because, and by that I mean the ending, um, which is where shit got stupid because, uh, so it's kind of like, so Batman sat in the fucking Mobius chair. That's literally like one of the, what would be the multiple of Nexus? Nexuses? Nexi? Whatever. Um, It's a nexus of all knowledge. Like, you can ask it anything. And for us to get this, like, vague, um, like, Hitchcock-esque, like, ending where you have to use your imagination to reach conclusions. Like, it, like, like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the thread started out tightly woven and it ended up in a mess of shit. All right, guys, wait, slow down, slow down a little bit, slow down. All right, first, the actual question that he asked the chair was, who is the true Joker? And by asking, okay, asking the chair that it you can you can infer that he knows that there have perhaps been imposters over time, but he he, but but maybe he didn't even know at that time which one. Well, yeah, it it goes back and forth. He knew about this guy's family, but he you know he still had questions as to like what is the Joker because, for instance, that what Scott Snyder, uh, shout out to him, another great Batman creator. What he did with the Joker was wild. Like he made the Joker somewhat supernatural. Like that, that was like a trippy, a trippy cool story. Check that one out um, for the fans. But, you know, I actually liked the ending because I like what Jeff Johns has done in his tenure at DC Comics, which is, you know, interweaving different things together. For example, the Doomsday Clock, right? He kind of makes Watchmen somewhat canonical and then you know he did the same thing with um alan moore swamp thing he did the same thing with a lot of uh jim lee's wildstorm creations um there's another one yeah and 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 the, the killing joke like just like weaving these stories together and and making one large dc comics narrative like he, you know and it just you know making these legendary works part of the story and yeah you know the ending kind of like left questions so one one point about the ending that i liked was that i, I think he kind of creates because you know the joker's also like batman's like opposite right he's also really high level you know shout out to like the heath ledger uh, version uh, like he sure. has contingencies and plans and all this shit too right so he puts like batman in a scenario where he saves joe chill and thusly heals his childhood wound in an effort to become his deepest wound. I'm that like, was awesome. That was awesome, deep. yo. <laughs> like, yo I, was I love like, that. Yeah. That was four-dimensional like, chess. It's like he's like his psychologist, right? He's like, okay, I'm gonna heal you so that I can fuck you. Like, <laughs> I thought that was a great kind of cool ending, you know? Yeah. At least for that back and forth. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I forgot exactly because that fucking part is true. I feel joker of him, right? Like, look, like now I'm your fucking biggest thing. Haha. <laughs> like, that's the dopest shit. And so no, and I think because that's why I love that ending because honestly, it really doesn't matter. Like, all right, who's was the real first joker? Yes, it does, does matter. 
nah, I don't think it really matters because especially, especially given, I think given like what, what Rod was saying about Jeff Johns connecting all these different stories, you know, and knowing that DC's continuity has been kind of a little bit all over the place up until Crisis on Infinite Earth, that's when they tried to fix it. And I think this is a good way of explaining who that Joker from really like, you know, back in Golden Age kind of uh, comics could be a different Joker than than the killing joke Joker and then from the Joker that fucking killed uh, uh, Jason Todd. And so I, I like that. And 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 because I do think then they gave us the Joker we all like the most, you know, <laughs> like because he's like the true like fucking sociopath uh, uh, that, that, that we know and love. But I feel like Chess has a is <laughs> about to say something. What it <laughs> he's closing his eyes, but all beady and shit. Also, well, okay, one just like from I'll zoom out. Um, it's I just don't like the fact that I feel like it left you with way more questions than answers when I was expecting answers. Um, you know what I mean? Like I feel like I didn't get many. And second, I hated. I absolutely hated. Let me get this off my chest because I think the people need to hear this. I hated that whole thing between Barbara and Jason Todd. Oh my God! The thing when he goes and puts the note on her door and the door falls off—that was a waste of fucking panels. Oh man, you, dang! You're making me like this story even more. Go ahead, keep going. Like, like, no, I, I agree with you though. I agree. I didn't like that either. That's no, no, a good point. No, no, mind you, mind you, mind you, mind you. I would have liked it. I would have liked it if he put he put the um he put the envelope on the door and she finds it. And then shit happens from there. We'll see. But the fact that this uber tactical, strategic motherfucker chose Word. some cheap tape for the envelope and pasted it <laughs> on the door. Word. That makes no sense. No. That, that really, yo, like all the bad communication channels, hacking shit. He puts cheap tape on a wooden door. Right. Just for the fans to know. So because what happens at the end, right? Because after Jason Todd get, gets all this crap from Barbara, right? About, about you fucking killed somebody, right? And that he... He writes this letter because, first of all, old school fucking writing a fucking letter, right? And I think he makes a comment about it. Like, but I, I respect that. Te- it's romantic. It's romantic. That's fine, I guess. But even that, I didn't like that that little weird romance thing, you know, trauma bonding between him and Barbara. I'm like, I, I, I didn't really love that because I'm like, what the what, what, what's going on here? And, and, and that he writes this letter saying, like, look, you know, fine, I'll stop being the Red Hood and, you know, try to be somebody else, like a different kind of hero, right? Because Batman also said that to him, like, try to take a new mantle so you don't have to, like, keep the, the Red Hood kind of, like, thing alive. And, like, he writes this letter saying, like, you know, but but I'll only do it if you respond to this letter, Barbara. And if you don't, I'll pretend, you know, nothing will happen and I'll just stay the same. I don't nice. like that because also, like, the way you said, like, Red Hood is fucking tactical genius. I don't like that his... He's depending on somebody else to decide who he is. Like, yo, fuck Word. that, man. Jason Todd has gone through so much shit, especially with these issues, that he can be his own man and say, no, I am going to be the Red Hood because I'm owning it and I want this to be it. Not nice. being like, oh, Barbara, like, we kind of had a little thing right now. Like, well, if you want me to change, I'll do it. If not, bye. Like, what? What the fuck is this? Like, when is fucking Jason Todd so weak like that? Like, I, I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that bit either. Okay, I don't know what y'all hate on the, on the letter. I I think it was kind of cool because you know it was there were shades of of uh, the Dark Knight, you know where like uh, what's their face? Um, who's what's who's Bruce's uh, love interest in the Dark Knight? She was recast. 
anyway, the 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 DA's assistant, or she became a DA. I don't remember. Oh, word, 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 word. What's, that was the the, the, was the actress on Dawson Creek, right? Like, yeah, she like left him a letter, like, "Oh, I choose Harvey. I'm sorry." Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yes. Oh, the her, Gyllenhaal, her, like, right, right, character. right. But yeah, that's the actress. I know credits um, and shit. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I like this whole letter thing, and and then I, I think about. Another, oh man, you know, I was just gushing over Jeff Johns a minute ago and I forgot about Flashpoint, right? Because not only has he done all this amazing work with Batman, also a good Superman run. You know, it's maybe not like in his top five, but I liked it. It, um, Really good stuff with, I think it was also Terry Dodson. I'm not mistaken. Bring it back to three jokers. Bring it back. All right, bring Bring it back. back. Bring it back back home. Bring it back home. I'm I'm bringing it back. (laughs) Flashpoint, the letter, right? From Thomas to Bruce. Yeah, Ward. Right. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I got choked up about that. Shit. But that makes more sense. Yeah. Like I, that's and that's a meaningful. Like I don't know. Like I get it more, and it, I, and the history and the character. Like I, it makes more sense for. But it also because for me it makes sense because I think Jeff Johns has experience writing uh, uh Batman a lot, right? I don't think he has that much experience writing Jason Todd, and I think with this, I think I got my the sense I got is that he was trying to write him the way he would want him to have been but like but like I think he did such a good job not ignoring the history of Batman not ignoring the Joker's history but he I feel he ignored Jason Todd's history and all the good writing that he's had across the board that I feel like this is out of character I feel like hey, why is he doing this like no I like I I or or build it up a little bit more I'm not I'm not buying it that much you know I still love the ending though there's still things I critiqued about it but I, I loved it Oh, and just to quickly add, I want to—I don't want to, you know, fact check the fact checker. But actually, what 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 Batman asked the Mobius chair what was what's the Joker's true name? He at the end of this book, he says that he knew who the Joker was since the first week he met him. So why is he asking what's the Joker's true name? Like your argument, I guess, still holds. It can still be like because he knew there might be—I don't know. But I guess still, I didn't like the reveal. I would have loved for for it to have just ended with Batman saying, yeah, we don't know. Yeah, or something. And then like a scene that the kid and the mom is alive somewhere without Batman knowing. And it's a mystery for both Batman and the Joker. That's something they both don't know. But um, just because it started with that fucking question, you know, that makes you feel like, come on, Batman. From the Mobius chair. Yeah, exactly. Do you know or not? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, we're always going to be divided. But the one thing that we could agree on is that it was an amazing event and it's definitely, yes. it, it, it addressed something that we've all kind of wondered over time. Like shit, how old is the Joker? You know what I mean? Like it kind of put something into perspective, but overall, um, even though our opinions are a tad split, the one thing we all are united on is the fact that the art was amazing and it was a great event to read. It has ups and downs, but those ups and downs were peaks and fucking valleys. Cause good Lord, that, 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 that was, that was an amazing art to read. Yeah. I think it sets up a sequel too. Right. Because, Ooh. because Joker says that like, you know, he wants to not become like his worst trauma. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I will say too, I remember when we first started talking about this a few episodes ago, Rod, you had mentioned that you saw that this was an epic story in the making, right? Like that this would gonna, is going to eventually with time be one of those epic 
Batman stories, right? Like we keep mentioning the killing joke and that kind of stuff, right? Like that this book will be up there with that, right? And we were saying that we weren't going to know that until we know the ending for real. I, you know, with that, I think, yeah, I think so. I think still, like even it's the, we have divided ways of thinking about the ending. I still think as a whole, these three sto- uh, books, is it's going to be one of those up there classic yeah. Batman Joker stories. Word. Do we all agree on that or not? No, definitely. For sure. I agree. And on that note, something that rarely happens, we all agree on something. So that'd be a perfect way to cap off this amazing verbal audio adventure for all the fans out there. And guys, as always, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to serve with you gentlemen for the sake of keeping people informed, entertained in the real things that matter. For all the fans out there, keep coming back for more. I'm Chez. You and I'm Miguel. And I'm Rod. Peace out. We're the Legion. Deuces. Peace. Legion on Zoom, starring and produced by Jose Perez, a.k.a. Chez, Rodney Martinez, and myself, Miguel Arce. Please subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or shoot us an email at legiononzoom at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Legion on Zoom.